Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, a.k.a. Sulior, and uh, first off, I wanted to apologize for the technical issues that I had in the last episode. I think I got all those figured out. I guess we'll see. So, yeah, so far so good. I got an episode of Nintendo out yesterday without any issues, so... I think I got it figured out, so yeah, um, whoo boy, uh, I got a lot going on, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but I'm in the process of a move, uh, we're still getting the final bits and pieces of that figured out, so, uh, next episode may be delayed, we'll see, um, I'll let you guys know on social media if that is the case, speaking of social media, uh, I don't know if you guys saw or not, but I am now on TikTok. So if you follow me on social media, uh, specifically Instagram, I posted something on there about it. So I've got a poll going on on Twitter at the moment that I was talking about. Nothing serious, uh, nothing that affects what's going on with the show. Just uh, thought I'd gauge your opinion on something, which is what has been your favorite ESO chapter to date. Uh, With the release of Blackwood on the horizon, I thought I'd see what you guys have really enjoyed so far. And uh, funny enough, at the moment, I am looking at this right now, Marwin's leading. So there for a bit, it was kind of tied. Unfortunately, uh, Graymore hasn't gotten any votes yet, which is kind of surprising to me since it's Skyrim related and, you know, everybody and their mother loves or at least knows Skyrim and from my understanding, everybody enjoys it um, for the most part, at least. I mean, sure, there's some people who just get overwhelmed with all the stuff that there is to do. But from my understanding, everybody enjoys Skyrim. So the fact that Greymore has not gotten any votes is really kind of surprising to me. So, um, yeah. So I just thought I'd let you guys know. Go make your voice heard. And, uh, yeah, there you go. So let's get into a little bit of news. So I reported in a previous episode that Critical Role, uh, the Critical Role podcast, which has, you know, voice actors like Matthew Mercer in it, is uh, they've been playing ESO on stream, and I guess they're going to be doing it again. There's going to be a one-shot on uh, Monday, May 24th, so I guess this has already taken place, but you can probably go find it in their Twitch archives. If you go to twitch.tv slash criticalrole, they have been playing some ESO, so go check that out. Um, There's another thing on the Bethesda.net article or Bethesda.net website where they talk a little bit more about the companion system. So I guess that launches when uh, Blackwood launches. So it's June 1st on PC, Mac, and Stadia in select territories, apparently. And uh, June 8th on PS5, PS4, Xbox One, and uh, the Xbox Series consoles. So... um, I'll post the links for these in the show notes, but uh, it just gives you a little bit more on the companion systems. So these are going to be kind of like NPCs. 
that you can unlock and you can equip them with gear, which uh, honestly, that would be pretty nice. So you don't have to scrap everything or you're not going to be maxed out in your stash. So there you go. Um, yeah, you can customize them. You can build relationships with them. Um, <clears throat> I don't see anything here about whether or not you can romance these npcs but i'm sure you know if that's not going to be a thing now it will be eventually um yeah uh just um like i said i'll put uh the link to this in the show notes if you want to go check out the article itself so uh, the other thing that i have in the news is the fact that the console enhancements for the next-gen consoles has been pushed back like a week so these were initially going to be released along with the Blackwood rollout but um, the uh, Twitter page for Elder Scrolls Online posted an open letter stating that these are now going to be available on the 16th of June and that's mainly so they can solely focus on the launch of Blackwood and making that a successful launch. Which, you know what, I appreciate that. Even if I had these next-gen consoles, I can appreciate the sentiment that they want to be uh, releasing this in as much of a bug-free state as they can. So, um... Yeah, uh, just go check out that open letter on their Twitter page. So um, that brings us to gameplay and my gameplay. I actually have had quite a bit of gameplay lately. I've had some downtime, whether it's been on the weekends or a little bit during the week. So um, I mentioned in the last episode that I not only completed the Greymore chapter, but I completed the Morrowind chapter. And um, add Somerset to that. I have never completed the Somerset chapter before, but uh, which is why I wanted to tackle it first before I got into Elsewhere. So I remember the first time I played the Somerset chapter, it was pretty difficult. There were a couple of spots where I got stuck. Um, there's one particular instance where you kind of, you're taking on, um, these creatures called Yagra, and I'm failing to remember which Daedric Prince these are attributed to at the moment. I want to say Nocturnal. I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you're fighting these monsters. Actually, no, 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 they're not, I, I, I think they're attributed to Mafala, um, because there's some in particular called Yagra monstrosities that kind of look like giant spiders which is why I'm thinking maybe Mafala is the one responsible I apologize I probably should have done my research before clicking the record button but um, there's one particular instance where you have to take on a Yagra monstrosity and I had to get help with it so this time I did everything solo um, there's another spot that I got stuck with when I was playing this on PC where you're taking on this sea load inside his mind. And not only are you taking on the sea load himself, but he's also summoning these Yagra. 
So, uh, yeah, I actually, yeah, I, I got it all completed. And if you follow me on social media, like I keep saying you need to, um, the story of it throughout the or during the story of uh, the Somerset chapter, you're encountering not one, not two, but three Daedric princes in person. Not only that, but you go to their planes of oblivion for a short time. So it was really cool for a war junkie like me. And this may be my favorite chapter to date. Um, it's kind of a tough call, but I love encountering Daedric Princes in person and seeing their planes of oblivion. So, um, yeah, just being able to do stuff like that, things that I've never done in any of the other games before. It's really cool. Not only, not to mention the fact that the island of Somerset is just gorgeous. So I don't, I, I've made it clear that I'm not a fan of the Altmer, you know, I'm better than you mentality, you know, based on their birth. But, um, their island is just so beautiful. I could just go around, you know, just wandering around and just appreciating the landscape in the island of Somerset. So, yeah, I got that completed and it was really cool. Not only do you deal with Mafala, Clavicus Vile, and Nocturnal in person, you're also dealing with Sotha Seal, the subject of our discussion today so uh, that was also really cool you deal with him in person in a couple of at least a couple of instances in ESO and this is one of them and I believe we will be getting into that here shortly so um, after completing the Somerset chapter I am now working on elsewhere and Abner Tharn is just as uh, conceited as always uh, the first time I did this on PC, I didn't do the prologue quest first. So, and it, it, it's interesting, there's a mechanic in ESO where if you've done something, if you've done certain things and encountered certain NPCs in other parts of the game, they do acknowledge that. So, yeah, I did the prologue quest this time before I started the chapter. And with that, you know, like you're traveling around with Abner Tharn, who, if I'm not mistaken, is a distant dis, um, ancestor to Jagar Tharn, who is the main antagonist of Elder Scrolls Arena. But you're trying to get this weapon that, in Abner Tharn's mind, is going to turn the tides of the Three Banners War. And it turns out that his Hoff sister is the person kind of in their mind pulling the strings with all this. And it turns out that that weapon is dragons and you inadvertently release them into the you know, nerd and Tamriel. So, um, you know, and then I started the chapter and these people in elsewhere or making reference to the events of the prologue quest so it's really kind of cool that that is something that's included in the game 
So, um, yeah, I'm not very far. I've done a couple of the early quests, uh, you know, dealing with zombies and skeletons and necromancers, which, if I remember right, the uh, Elsewhere chapter is how you unlock the necromancer class. So, oh, and I should mention that I now can do seven different crafting writs a day. So if you have the Somerset chapter, you can start doing jewelry crafting writs. So that is something that I didn't really do up until now. I didn't know how to unlock it in the first place. And, you know, I, did, I didn't really think about it. I knew that you could craft jewelry after getting the Somerset chapter, but I didn't know that that was something that you can actually make money for. So what you got, you know, and what brought it to my attention was the fact that when you go and turn in these crafting writs, there's a chest there with the jewelry symbol on it. So I'm like, why the hell am I, have I been missing out on all this money? Especially with the, you know, double, you know, the double XP, double gold, you know, thing that they had going last week. So what you got to do is you go to Alinor, the this major city on the island of Somerset, and you go to the area where you do the crafting, where all the crafting benches are. There's a guy right outside there that you talk to, and he can certify you in crafting jewelry, and then you can start getting writs for crafting jewelry. So up until now, you know, of course I encountered all these pewter seams, out in the wild, but I ignored them because that's just one more thing to add to your stash. So, so there you are. Um, if you want to start getting paid for crafting jewelry, that's how you do it. Anyway, um, yeah, that's really all my gameplay uh, right now. I did download the mod for Skyrim where you can have Shirley Curry, the Skyrim grandma, follow you around as a companion. Um, I haven't really played with it yet. I will let you guys know once I do what my thoughts are. But uh, God bless Shirley Curry. Uh, if you don't follow this, the Skyrim Grandma on Twitter or on YouTube, definitely check her out. She's a joy. So anyway, I'm going to take a short break. You will hear me shill for Anchor. And then we'll talk some Sothasil. So stay tuned, guys. you guys welcome back after that short break so let's talk some so the seal so as always this information is coming from the uesp wiki um like i mentioned in the last episode on almalexia the um fandom webpage just redirects you to the dlc uh, tribunal so even if you're not looking up tribunal you're looking up one of the members they'll just direct you to that so this is from UESP, so um, Sothasil, or Set, S-E-H-T, is a wizard mystic god of the Dunmer, and C-S-I, in the Almsivi, and he, was most he is the most enigmatic, uh, easy for me to say, God, that word should not have been that hard, member of the Divine Tribunal, he was known as the Mainspring Everwound, the Father of Mysteries, Magus, Magician, Sorcerer, Tinkerer, Clockwork God, Clockwork God, the Light of Knowledge, 
the inspiration of craft and sorcery, the clockwork king of the three-in-one. I don't know how they're one. I guess the tribune, whatever. Um, and the architect of time and binder of oblivion. So just from those names or titles, you can tell that he tinkers around a lot. So he is a really... Uh, great craftsman on the level of the Dwemer. So uh, just go around the Clockwork City and uh, you'll you'll see what I mean. Um, so uh, Sotha Seal was born at Chimer, as I mentioned in the last episode, in the town of Ald Sotha in what is now known as the island of Vardenfell in the Ascadian Isles region. I don't know why I'm having such trouble talking today. So Ald Sotha was the seat of the House Sotha, a minor house in the settled of the settled Chimer in the early first era era. He was known to have a mother whose name was lost to history and an older sister whose name was Sotha Nal. Excerpts from his memories provide clues to the nature of his upbringing, such as that his family was composed of well-off nobles, which if you're one of the seat of a great house then yeah and that he was raised by a number of maternal figures including his lenient mother rebellious sister and kind nanny the town of Altsotha is recounted as a tranquil place with a fish pond flower garden with many birds artisanal kitchens and many sunny days with activities involving pottery wheels catching torch bugs in jars kind of like you know how back in my day when i was a kid at night we would just go around catching lightning bugs so i guess that was a thing on vardenfell um during the first era also and eating uh he also ate scrib jelly on rainy days one of his preserved memories sotha sill's mother or nanny comforted a young sill after he had sustained a knee abrasion so he fell and scraped his knee using a childhood nursery tale, the brave little scrip, to inspire him with courage, as his sister sang to him a lullaby. Another memory from his childhood involved him and his sister taking care of a dead bird by burying it in a handkerchief. A memory from his young childhood involved his sister Nall trying to convince a reluctant sill to enter a forbidden era, or area. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, these sound like a lot of typical childhood memories where, you know, you get comforted after falling and scraping your knee. Um, you're playing with friends or whatever, and they, they dare you to go someplace where you know you're not allowed to go. Um, you know, just that sort of thing. So, uh, in the fable, Sothasil and the Scribs from Homilies of, Homilies of uh, Blessed Almalexia... A, so a young Sothasil is playing with a Kwama in a Kwama egg mine as a child and seeing a number of scribs deep in shaft. So scribs kind of like they're they're bugs, but um, they're kind of a they're they're like the size of a small dog, and uh, they're they're non-hostile. Like they're not going to attack you. Kwama, on the other hand, will. Um, so Kwama egg mines are a dangerous place to go because not only are there the workers who most of the time are nonviolent, there's also warriors that will defend their nests. So, um, 
<laughs> that is not the place to go if you're a kid. So, um, he began to cast stones upon them for amusement, snickering as they skittered and scattered. One scrib lifted his head and begged Sothisil to stop. Please, please have mercy, boy, for what is sport to you is suffering and death to us. So this almost sounds like a fable, not so much something that happened, because I don't know of any scrib that would talk. This taught the young boy, however, that <clears throat> what were idle amusements for one can be solemn tortures for another. Another homely... T so homelies must be, yeah, kind of like what I said, fables. So uh, there's another one titled Sotha Sil and the Stars that tells of a young Sotha laying down and gazing at the stars at night and his, and his passion for maths... Sothasil decided to count every star and give each of them a name for hours on end, eventually falling asleep. When he awoke, he saw that the stars had vanished and began to weep, learning the lesson that time cages all tasks. I'm okay. Um, these tales were evidently well known in Morrowind, as Nivlin Omarin compared Dunmer's slavery to the child set who makes sport of suffering. So, with unknown motives, the Daedric Prince Mayrum's Dagon arrived in Ald Sotha during Sothasil's youth and destroyed it, killing everyone in Sothasil's family. How did Mayrum's Dagon, you know, breach the barrier between the Deadlands and Nern during that time? I have no idea. So, um, it occurred at some point after he and his sister traveled to the forbidden area near town and took uh, place upon a rainy morning. His family woke to find their homes and tapestries already burning. So, he wasn't there when all this started. And he, they screamed in agony in their final moments, the people that he witnessed. So, the sail was the sole survivor of the attack, having been saved by Vivek. House Sotha was wiped out and saved for saved for Sotha Sil, and he continued to use their name. The first sermon of the 36 Lessons of Vivek contradicts this claim, placing Sotha Sil as older than Vivek. It tells some time uh, it tells of some time before the Skyrim captivity, the demi prince Fa Nuiten, that's a hell of a name, appearing to a Velothi tribeswoman, the wife of a Chimer Nechiman, Nech I guess that's somebody who catches Nech, who had been impregnated with an egg by the Droog before, <laughs> wow, that sounds really pleasant, before being brought to Azura's coast by Sothasil. The egg contained the unborn Vivek and the seven Daedra known as the barons who move like this, appearing before the woman to teach the egg new swordsmanship motions. This sounds a little more far-fetched than the whole thing with Mayrun's Dagon. I don't know. When Fanui Ten appeared, he told the Nechman's wife to seek Horator in the land of Endoral before combining with the barons to form a terrible pillar of fighting styles and teaching Vivek. Fanuit Hen himself verifies the sermon claims to a degree, stating that he did in fact meet Vivek in his youth, 
and made an impression on him. So I don't, I don't know what to believe out of all that. You know, a lot of these are told with a certain agenda. You have to think about the perspective of the person writing these stories. And if you think about it, the tribunal as a group lived much longer than a normal uh, person would. So they got their power in the first era and they lived to the end of the third era or close to the end of the third era, not quite to the very end of the third era. So <clears throat> these stories, you know, change over time. So um, who's to say what's factual with these, you know, children's tales. So uh, let's talk about uh, Sothisil's friendship with Endoral Nerevar. Sothisil participated in the War of the First Council, which started when Vorin Dagoth of House Dagoth learned that a, of a Dwemer scheme deep in the bowels of the Red Mountain on the island of Vardenfell. So at this point, the Dwemer are still around. So um, Dagoth, uh, that I'm pretty sure is Dagoth Ur. Um, House Dagoth, I guess at that point in time, wasn't what it eventually became, you know, by the time of the Third Era. So the Dwemer had found the Heart of Lorcan, and High Craft Lord Kagnarak planned to harness it to use the power of a giant mechanical god. Lord Dagoth reported this to the Chimer leadership, and eventually the Horator Nerevar confirmed it with his patron, Azura. So these people are in direct contact with Azura. Nerevar confronted his friend Dumak, and they quarreled bitterly. As a result, Nerevar led the Chimer to war in order to stop this profane usurpation. So he was against, like, he must have known about the plan to use the heart for personal gain and opposed it. During the war framed Battle of Red Mountain, Vivek asked Sothisil to come with a, come up with a plan to help him stop the Dwemer's automatrons from slaughtering the Chimer out of necessity. Out of necessity, I should say, Sothisil created an army of clockwork droog. So at this point, he's already making his clockwork um, servants, I guess is a word, his, uh, his mechanical creations. So these were inspired by the Dwemery War Machine. So uh, Sothisil took a lot of inspiration from the Dwemer when creating these contraptions. So these were used against the Dwemer, the um, clockwork drug. <clears throat> and they were said to have risen up from the seas and took their counterparts to the water beneath them to be swallowed by the sea. After Nerevar's death, the council, the councilors of Nerevar and the tribunal Vivek Almalexia and Sothisil came to power among the Dunmer, and they went against Nerevar's dying wish to use the profane tools of Kagnarak and the heart of Lorcan in order to steal its divine essence for themselves, becoming gods to the Dunmer people. I talked about a lot of this, or at least some of this, in the last episode, about how they actually took the power from the heart of Lorcan to become what they are. <clears throat> This event led to the Daedric Princes are cursing the Chimer and turning the all into Dunmer. So yeah, they got the power and then Azura is like, you went back on your word, I'm gonna curse you all. Sothisil is one of the few people who can resist Azura's curse, 
but chose to remain with his Dunmer appearance. So he actually chose to have the appearance of a Dunmer. He could have been like Almalexia and had the skin of a Chimer still, but he chose to represent the Dunmer. He would aid in the transition of people into the life of the Dunmer, getting them to accept that it was not a curse, but a blessing, that, and that they were new myrrh, so a new uh, variation of myrrh, civilized and able to speak directly to their patrons, the tribunal. So he's like, hey, no, this is a good thing, and guess what? We're your gods, and you can have direct you know, conversations with us. The Clockwork City is believed to have been constructed sometime after the rise of the Tribunal at the Battle of Red Mountain, when Sothasil harnessed divine power from the heart of Lorcan with the use of Kagnarak's tools in the First Era. So Sothasil created the Clockwork City for various reasons, all of which were to serve a noble goal. He saw the Aedra's creation of, of Nern as a flawed can, you know, and so he he saw Nern as something that is nice, but uh, it's got its issues. And he created the Clockwork City, and he and you know his whole intention was for it to be completely perfect. So you know everything to him is you know math. So if he if his math is correct, then he can very well create the perfect city. So he built Clockwork City to ensure the redemption of Tamriel, unifying comp uh, competing forces and destroying the Daedra. During the genesis of the city, Sothasil's vision of a self-contained world made of brass and machinery was very ambitious, of course, and he developed highly advanced methods to see it through. He created the Celestrodrome, which surrounds the entire realm in the, f the form of glass, a glass globe, in which which is perceived by the realm's inhabitants as its sky. So, kind of think of the Clockwork City as a snow globe without the snow. Like you're not going to pick it up and shake it around, but it, it's this giant or not giant. It's kind of a, a small city if you're a normal sized person. So in order to get into the Clockwork City, you have you yourself have to shrink. So <clears throat> yeah, kind of think of it as a giant snow globe. So it's the city that is encased in a dome of glass. So um, let's see. He created the Celestial Dome, which so it's perceived as a sky. Sorry, I just read that. The Celestial Dome is capable of mimicking both day and night cycles, and the rotating girders installed on it allows for proper topography to be formed within the realm. In order to make, make the Clockwork City habitable, Sothasil sought to achieve proper humidity needed for breathable, a breathable atmosphere for his realm, so he created the Halls of Regulation, which maintain the city's water cycle, breathable air, humidity, temperatures, wind currents, as well as creating drinkable water. He drew inspiration from the Dunmer, and their influence in his work is rumored to be traceable as far back as the disappearance of the Dwemer. Among these influences was his research on the Dwemer, their tonal architecture. He refined it further and created items based on their research, such as tonal forks, 
which could function as a, a divining rod. And he also worked with Dwemer constructs, tinkering it in ways beyond the capabilities of even the most talented individuals. Sothisil created the humanoid automatrons known as factotums, or facto, factotums. That is, again, it's a word that shouldn't be hard to pronounce, but for some reason it was. And these were to maintain the clockwork city. Earlier variants were built with a design that resembled Dwemer automatrons and were constructed from both Dwemer and clockwork parts. Ultimately, his style became his own, and the city's structures, vegetation, and wildlife were all mechanical constructs of his own design. So this brings to question something that, um, I don't know if it's just me, but Sothisil is an organic being, for the most part. And uh, people who travel to his realm, they would need to eat something. So if everything's mechanical, how are people eating? I don't know. That's just that uh, maybe it's just me. I mean, I know it's a video game, but you kind of have to wonder these sort of things. So, so the sill would go on to create organic, part organic, and part part organic creatures known as fabricants, which were rumored to be the first steps toward the convergence of nature and engineering. Towards the end of the first era, around first era twenty nine twenty. So this is the very end of the first era. Sothisil spent some time on the Isle of Orteum, which is where the Sigic Order is. They literally... I'll have to do an episode on the Sigic Order at some point. But the Isle of Arteum was originally part of the Somerset Isles, but the Sigic Order used magic to remove it from, the, uh, from Nern and have it in its own little dimension. So... Um, Sothisil actually taught some of the new mages of the Sigic Order. While there, Sothisil also furthered the studies of the Dwemer creations as well as further refined his clockwork creations. So I should mention, in the Sigic Order's uh, headquarters there on Artaeum, there is a room that is Sothisil's. So you can tell just by walking in there, there's a lot of clockwork style contraptions that he's got in there. He did leave some of his creations behind when he departed back for this clockwork city. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He left some of his clockwork stuff there on Arteum in their uh, in the Sigic headquarters. So uh, toward um, after a Daedric disaster in the village of Giverdale, Sothisil journeyed into oblivion, creating the Dreaming Cavern, and made a pact with eight of the more prominent Daedric princes, Azura, Boethia, Hermaeus Mora, Hercene, Malakath, Mirans Dagon, Molagbal, and Sheogorath. And this is known as the Cold Harbor Compact. Why you would want to do something like that? Especially with the likes of, you know, Boethia, you know, Molagbal, Mirans Dagon. Why you would want to do that, I have no idea. The exact terms of the pact were unknown to most inhabitants of Tamriel. At the time of the pact, the princes agreed not to answer any summons by amateurs until the war between Morrowind and Cyrodiil ended. Only the Sijiks, along with the sorcerers and the sorcerers and the witches, could counsel with the Daedra. 
In First Era 2920, the Skeffington Coven of High Rock took an exiled Dunmary woman named Trulla, who had been the lover of the Duke of, Mar- of Mournhold, Brindisi, I think is how you pronounce that, Brindisi Dorum. That's what uh, her name is, or his name is, the Duke of Mournhold. After a trip to Wayrest in the you know, the Skeffington Coven was killed in a massacre caused by an orcish raiding party. Turla was falsely led to believe that the massacre was the work of assassins sent by Brindisi Dorm himself. Enraged, Turla called forth the Prince of Destruction, which is um, Maren's Dagon, to burn down Mornhold and slay her former lover, and despite the compact, he complied. So, um... I really need to read the book 2920 because that's actually a book you can find in game after this the two of the tribunal gods approached Maven's Dagon having taken part in the Cold Harbor Compact the Daedric Prince immediately recognized Sothasil angered that she was too late to prevent the Prince of Destruction wrought upon her or the, sorry of the destruction wrought upon her city by the flame tyrant Amalexia drew her sword hope's fire and she and Sothisil engaged in battle with them the battlefield was lit by a barrage of flame which fell indiscriminately and Amalexia perched her sword into Dagon and carved him from within wow <laughs> that's uh, pretty intense meanwhile Sothisil enacted vengeance for Ald Sotha, using god bronze whips to lash the prince into submission. That sounds really painful. Wounded, Sil whispered Dagon's nimic, and the prince exploded throughout all time. Somehow he came back together, though. Yeah, I really need to read this book, because this sounds really fascinating. So let's talk about the second era, because that was the very end of the first era. Around 2nd era 582, so this is the events of ESO, Nocturnal tried to take control of the Clockwork City. She summoned Sothisil's shadow, who replaced him as ruler of the city. So this are these are the events of the Clockwork City DLC, so spoilers for this. Meanwhile, one of the Clockwork Apostles, Chancellor Gascon Dusant, sought to deliver the skeleton key which has been accidentally found by a factorum beneath the brass fortress to clavicus vial only for the key to be stolen by the black feather court the vestige which is your character in eso assisted devent fur and the clockwork apostles unveiled the plot but were unable to reclaim the skeleton key before it was taken by sothisil's shadow Using the key, Nocturnal and the Shadow attempted to seize control of the Clockwork City, but were stopped by the Vestige, Devent Fur, and Protector, uh, Proctor, sorry, Proctor, Luciana Pulo, who rescued Sothisil by defeating the Shadow. Sothisil gave them the, sorry, gave the skeleton key to Devent Fur for, sca- for safekeeping. I cannot talk today. I really apologize. Sothisil became involved directly in the affairs of Nern when Nocturnal subsequently tried to take control of the Crystal Tower. So these are the events of the Somerset chapter that I just played through. 
Using the techniques she stole from Sothisil involving utilizing life energy as a power source, she planned to use the life energy of Nern and the energy of the other Daedric princes afterward to amplify the crystal tower to make her power limitless. So uh, what happens is that she kind of forms a, a, an alliance with Clavicus Vile and, and uh, Mephala and uses them to for personal gain and then turns her she stabs them both in the back and then you eventually have to take her on directly which was a really cool thing to see so yeah you eventually stop her and uh, like i said uh, sothisil does play a part in all of this um also during the uh, events of the the Somerset chapter, you're also dealing with Meridia, who, you know, you should be familiar with. And she has her own champion going along helping you, and you actually wield Dawnbreaker. So that was interesting. So um, there's more here about the second era. So second era 820, or sorry, 882, when the tribunal visited Red Mountain for their annual pilgrimage to replenish their divine power. The reawakened Dagother and his minions ambushed them and drove away, drove them away, nearly killing them. So, yeah, that's I guess that's when their power starts to, you know, wane there. <clears throat> so the event resulted in the tribunal being cut off from access to the heart of Lorcan and caused Sothisil to respond by beginning development of a replacement heart. His solution was the mechanical heart, a mechanical replication of the heart of Lorcan to act as a new source of divinity and as a new power source for his clockwork city. Unfortunately, the development would not go, go smoothly as the heart became unstable in its early development, and to prevent the heart from destroying the city, he created his own variant of the Kagnarak tools to control, shape, or even dismantle the heart if necessary. Sothisil went to great lengths to keep the heart from those who would misuse it, and he stole it. Or sorry, stored it within the chamber of Lorcan, located within the Clockwork City's Cogitum Centralis. Sothisil also hid his tools as a precaution across the Nerd to prevent people from stealing the heart's power. The tribunal were able to kill Dagother and his kin after his initial after this initial setback, but were always revived by the heart. To contain them, the tribunal erected the ghost fence around Red Mount. So this is when ghost fence was was made a thing. So here we're, we're getting into the third era here. So Thassil once spent time counseling, guiding, and protecting mortals, loving them perhaps even more than Vivek or Almalexia. He is said to have felt stress of the stress of each of his people, but assigned them no more load than he knew they could bear. So Thassil's traumatizing childhood may be one of the first factors that contributed to his deteriorating mental health. So when I dealt with I haven't played through tribunal as i mentioned but i have encountered him multiple times in eso and he always seemed like very i don't know fair like he he he's very calculated in everything he's doing but you don't see him as 
evil or a tyrant. It's kind of same with Vivek. Uh, Vivek is very philosophical in his speech. You deal with Vivek directly in Morrowind. Um, in the Morrowind chapter of, or, well, and in Morrowind. In the main game of Morrowind, you encounter Vivek in person. And you're dealing with the other two during the Tribunal DLC. But in the main game of Morrowind and in the uh, chapter of Morrowind of ESO, he's, you know, you deal with him directly there. Sothasil, you do encounter a couple of times in the main game, but also in, well, I'm sorry, not in the main game, but you deal with him in the Clockwork City DLC and in Somerset. So, but I guess after being cut off from the heart of Lorcan, his uh, sanity does start to go. So that sounds really sad. Um, so th uh, let's see. Or his ascension into godhood was accomplished by a silence described as coming from the place of grief and of deep regret. Evidently from his betrayal of his oath to Endoral Nerevar. So he considered Nerevar a friend and he stabbed him in the back and I guess that weighed on him over time. His life work, the Clockwork City, was created to serve as a world-shaping device, but he felt sorrow from it being built on betrayal and untold horrors. In time, Sothasil became detached from the real world and he gradually lost touch with the affairs of Dunmer and the rest of the Tribunal and eventually all of Tamriel. So he went into seclusion in his Clockwork City. His obsession with perfecting his Clockwork City and the fact that it it functions is a very is very dependent on his presence. So one of the contributing factors that would ultimately cause him to become distant, reclusive, and reclusive, and would lead to his participation in mortal affairs to dwindle. His last known participation in mortal affairs was in Third Era 417, after centuries of becoming weaker and more desperate. Sothasil and Almalexia lost two of Karagnarak's tools, Keen and Sunder, to Dagoth's forces. Vivek rescued them, but could not recover the stolen tools that and had to flee to Red Mountain. Before his total seclusion, despite predicting that they would not meet again centuries prior, Sothasil would have one of his final conversions. So that's something I should mention. Sothasil is so calculating with everything that he can actually, you, you know, predict the outcome of certain events while they're happening. Kind of like uh, if you've watched the, um, I'm blanking on the name, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. versions of the Sherlock Holmes movies where you can actually see him calculate everything in his mind. So, uh, in Third Era 427, the goddess Almalexia, having been driven mad by her loss of immortality, manipulated the Nerevarine to retrieve Barlazar's mazed band, which she used to travel to the Clockwork City to murder Sothasil in cold blood. So, I talked about this in the Almalexia episode. So, Almalexia murdered Sothasil. <clears throat> You know, I don't, I don't know what she was trying to accomplish by doing that, but oh, um, I mean, I guess she was just trying to steal his power to prolong her own life, 
that'd be my guess. I don't know. Like I said, she was driven mad by all this. So after murdering Sothasil, Amalexia transported his fabricants into Mournhold to wreak havoc. She then tricked the Nerevrine into going to the Clockwork City to kill the late Sothasil, who she blamed for the attacks. So she was trying to manipulate the Nerevrine. I mentioned all this in the last episode. So yeah, I guess she tried to get you to do her dirty work, and when you wouldn't do it, she went and did it herself. So she attempted to murder the Nerevrine as well, but her divine powers had waned, and as a result, she wasn't powerful enough and was struck down. So this is all really sad, but at the same time, they, I mean, nothing lasts forever. So Sothasil was survived by his cosmic daughter, Memory, whom he himself gave birth to. Not sure exactly how that works. His body was presumably retrieved by Vivek, who interred him in, and Almalexia into the property of the Vlathi fashion and mourned them as if they were family. Azura claimed that her anticipation shed his mortality long ago and that his death was likely no small relief to him. So that's one thing about more, you know, immortality is eventually it gets old. <laughs> The majority of the populace seemingly did not know Almalexia's betrayal to her fellow Tribune and would attribute the death of Sothasil to the Nerevarine, so in the end he got the blame for it anyway. <clears throat> in his parting conversation with his friend, an unknown scribe, Sothasil claimed that after he was gone, it is possible another form will appear that looks much like him to play a role in a new tale. So, um, some form of him could still be around. Sothasil's clockwork city would continue to be powered by the mechanical heart after his death. The mechanical heart finished being fully constructed by his machines 207 years after his death in 4th era 201, which uh, would be the events of Skyrim. However, stories tell of a forgotten hero who formed a former clockwork apostle Mechanar into the city to prevent the latter from claiming the heart's power. The story is, has an unclear ending, or have an unclear ending. That's a grammar mistake right there on the UESP. I should report that. Um, one rumor claims that the heart was destroyed to strip Mechanar of its divine power so that the two can fight on equal ground. And as a result, the city ceased functions and its inhabitants were forced to abandon the city. In another rumor, the hero is said to have used the heart to harness its power and fought Mechanar on equal ground, and the heart would live on along with the city. So, I don't think that the Clockwork City plays any part in the events of Skyrim that I can recall. Even going to Solstheim, you don't really see the Clockwork City, because it's in mainland Morrowind, from my understanding. The... Um, a little place that you travel to the Clockwork City. Anyway, uh, that's all that this article has on Sothasil. Like I said, my encounters with him have all been pleasant, um, except when dealing with his shadow, but that's not really him. So uh, there's some pictures here in the article. There's a picture of his shadow. There's concept art. There's pictures from Elder Scrolls Legends. There's a shrine to uh, 
so the Salem ESO that there's a picture of here. There's a picture of him in uh, Kapora Tower. So, um, yeah, there's pictures of what is clearly the inside of the Clockwork City. So, um, it's, it's sad how his end came to be. Um, there was actually a picture of his end that I found on Google, but I'm not going to post that. So, um, have you guys encountered Seth Seal at all in-game? Um, love to hear your experiences with him. Like I said, he's always been good with me. But, um, yeah, Alma Alexia has always had a little bit of an attitude to her. But Seth Seal is just, he always seems really deep in thought whenever I've encountered him. So, yeah, that is so the seal so next episode we are going to wrap up on the twitter with the tribunal with vivek so and then on to the daedra um, like i said at some point i need to do an episode on the sigic order because that i mean there's a lot of mystery there but i think that the somerset chapter does kind of shed some of the mystery or shed light on some of the mystery so yeah that will be about it so um as always i wanted to uh, let you guys know how to get a hold of me so you can follow me personally on twitter and instagram at iangold08 you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at tamrealp you can also find me in game in eso where i play i'd say a few times a week i mainly play on the xbox european server uh, it's uh, sulior and my character's also really close to level 50. I think I'm level 45 at the moment. So I'm really getting close to level 50. And that is really exciting. So hopefully by the time I finish Elsewhere or start Blackwood, whichever comes first, I will be level 50. We shall see. Also, you can watch me stream Elder Scrolls Online as well as other games like Fallout and... Um, who knows maybe some other games i recently did a stream where i started streaming elder scrolls online and then switched to mortal kombat xl so yeah that's something else i've been playing lately so that has been fun that's one that i haven't finished yet um the main story at least so um yeah and also as i mentioned at the start of the show i am now on tiktok so you can follow my TikTok at Sulior. So yeah, that um, mainly that's how I, I'm mainly going to use it to make the videos that I post on social media. I don't know. Who knows? I still need to figure a little bit of it out. I, like I said, just figured out how to make videos. I don't know how to do all these fancy things like adding background music and all that stuff. Uh, changing. I think I do know how to change my voice. I don't know. I'm still figuring out all this confangled technology. So I'd like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this show. And um, like I said, I'm in the middle of moving, so the next episode may be delayed a little bit. I will let you guys know. So as always, stay safe, adventurers. <laughs>